0: thanks Tim hi everybody Hello. so question where are you and what are you doing when you feel closest to God how would you answer that question where are you what are you doing when you feel closest to God Are you in church? In a Bible study? On your knees in prayer? Are you alone? Or are you with others? Are you desperate? Are you in need of help? Or feeling good? Full of life? Full of joy? Are you talking? Are you walking? Are you running? Are you sitting? Are you singing? Are you reading? Are you listening? Or just being quiet? Where are you and what are you doing when you feel closest to God? I, I get a sense of God's presence when I read the Bible, uh, when I listen, and when I learn and grow with others. Uh, I often feel God's presence when I hold one of my grandkids, when I kiss my wife, or hug a friend. I feel it when I look at the night sky. When I walk in the woods. When I hear the, the wind through the trees. Or when I watch that mama robin who built a, a nest on her porch feed her baby birds. And I also feel it. I feel it here. I feel it. I feel it at the table. The body of Christ, broken for us. The blood of Christ, shed for us. Every time you eat the bread and drink the wine, Jesus says, remember me. Communion. Communion is all about connecting and remembering. Someone once said that the genius of communion is that the bread is is the food of the poor. And the wine is the drink of the privileged. And this is one moment when they both come together. And every time we see these two together, it is a reminder of what we share as people rather than what separates us and divides us. In our tradition, we take communion in church um, about every month or so. We pass a plate of bread and tiny cups of juice, something that we're going to do a little bit later on, and the taste of the grape juice just always reminds me of church, Just always, because it's the only place in my lifetime that I ever drank grape juice. We also celebrate communion in less formal places, like, uh, like at a retreat or a mission trip or a camp. My wife and I actually took communion with our family and our friends the night before we got married at our rehearsal dinner. Starting during the pandemic, we encouraged people who would follow our live stream on Sunday mornings, we encouraged them to take communion with us from their home. Just find some bread, find some juice, some wine, something to drink, and join us. I believe that that the bread and the wine are for all of us for every person an invitation from God to believe and to belong and i believe it's i believe it's to be torn and handled chewed and gulped and i believe we can practice the sacrament of communion anywhere and at any time And I believe that Jesus asked for all of us to remember him during the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine every time, every meal, every day, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, and no matter what we've done. Eugene Peterson said this, to eyes that see, every bush is a burning bush. To those of us who believe That all of life is holy. Every bite of food, every sip of drink can be communion. Remembering, celebrating, an invitation to be blessed by God's presence and by God's goodness right here and now. So, can you see it? Are you even looking? Can you hear it? The whisper of God's spirit all around us? Are you listening? The bread and the wine remind us that God is here and that he is good. Every time we eat, every time we gather, every time the table is set, God is here. And he's good. So here's what I want you to do with me. I, I want you to imagine that we are near Jerusalem. It's early in the first century. It's late afternoon. And we are walking the road into Jerusalem with Jesus' disciples. And it's the Thursday of Holy Week. And, man, what a week it's been. It, it started last Sunday. Remember that That crazy parade that Jesus led us on, riding a donkey in the front. I mean, it was amazing. And then there was that scene in the temple when Jesus did that thing with the tables. You know, he kind of flipped them over. Oh, he was so mad. And he really shook things up. Every night we slept outside the city, and then in the morning we would return, and there would always be some kind of drama. One day there were these confrontations with the conservative religious scholars, and then the next day more controversy with a group of progressive religious leaders and through this whole time jesus has been saying things he's been issuing these uh, these dire warnings about the fate of the temple which really upset a lot of people because the temple is like the center of their whole world and then earlier today he sends off peter and john and he tells them go look for a guy carrying a jug of water and i guess that's the guy who's gonna let us celebrate passover tonight in his guest room i mean how does jesus even do these things you see every passover jews remember that one night that night before our ancestors were freed from slavery in egypt and every element that's a part of the passover meal um, things like the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread and the, the lamb and the fruit and the cup of wine. All of these things have a very special, specific meaning that's tied into that, that liberation story out of Egypt. But tonight, at this Passover with Jesus, this time, the focus isn't on the distant past. It's on the present present. And it's on what's going to happen. Jesus doesn't draw our attention to the lamb like we usually do, but instead to this simple loaf of bread and this cup of wine. He lifts the bread. He gives thanks. And then he breaks it. And he shares it with us. And he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And and then he lifts the cup of wine. And he says, this cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And he adds, whenever you take this bread and drink from this cup, do so in memory of me. I have to admit, our, our first reaction to this whole thing is, is shock. I mean, to ask us to remember him seems to suggest that he's going to die. I mean, he's been talking about this a little bit, I mean, but now it just kind of hits us. Maybe he's serious. And it sounds like he thinks it's going to happen soon. Our second reaction? Well, to speak of his body and his blood... This way sounds kind of gross. I mean, a little bit like cannibalism. I mean, why would we want to eat human flesh and drink human blood? That's unkosher in our religion and downright uncivilized. What could Jesus possibly mean by these strange words? But before we can really even think much about it, he shocks us again. He says, one of us is going to betray him. Huh. Well, that quickly gets us arguing, not about who's going to do it, but instead, which one of us is the best. <laughs> it's pretty pathetic when you think about it. And it says a lot about us disciples and maybe a lot about human nature too. Jesus is trying to tell us that he's going to suffer and die. And all we can do is think about ourselves and our own ego and our status and the pecking order. It's dumb. It's dumb. And it's exactly the way that the Romans act, who occupy our land and try to dominate us in every way. They play these kind of status games. But you are not to be like that, Jesus says. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. And years from now, when the fourth gospel of John tells the story, it'll make this whole theme of service the focus of this whole night. John doesn't even include the bread and wine in Jesus' words. It'll put center stage that dramatic moment when Jesus strips off his normal clothes, puts a towel around his waist, he pours water into a basin, stoops down like a servant, and he washes the dust from our feet one by one. When he finishes, he explains that he did this to give us an example, an example of humble service, not domination. And he wants us to imitate it. And later, after the meal, he'll invite us to serve one another as I have served you and to love one another as I have loved you. You know, the original Passover, remembered one kind of liberation, that liberation from slavery in Egypt. But this communion meal suggests another form of liberation, liberation from playing the shame games of rivalry and competition and pecking order and domination and comparison to reach the top of the pyramid of pride. And if the first Passover gets people out from under the heel of the slave master, this communion meal leads people out of the desire to be a slave master in the first place. This meal celebrates a new way of being alive, a way of service, a way of belonging, of friendship, of humility, of self-giving, of being blessed, broken and given for the well-being of others. It's, uh, it's pretty predictable, I guess, to see how us disciples completely miss the point. And we turn this holy meal into an argument, a contest for who will be the greatest, who will have the most status at the table, who, and who will be excluded But in spite of our anxiety and rivalry, Jesus, the patient teacher, Jesus, the humble servant, Jesus, the gracious giver, Jesus sets an example of humble service. And in that context, he asks us to remember him not primarily for his great miracles, not primarily for his brilliant teaching, but primarily for this, that he gives himself like food for us. His body broken like bread, his blood shed like wine, poured out like wine. He gives himself like food for us and for the whole world. Have you ever noticed how we use God to help us scramble to the top of the pyramid where we can dominate others? We even try to enlist God to condemn those we want to condemn and exclude those who we want to exclude, and worse. But God isn't willing to be domesticated into a little tribal deity on a leash who we can sicken on our command while we plot ways to use God to get blessings for ourselves, God stays focused on the big picture of blessing a broken world. God isn't a tribal deity of one group of chosen people. God is not for us and against everyone else. God is for us and he's for them. God loves everyone, everywhere, all the time. No exceptions. Here's what Brian McLaren wrote. True faith is a quest for goodness. True faith isn't a deal where we use God to get the inside track, or a special advantage or a secret magic formula for success. It isn't a mark of superiority or exclusivity. True faith is about joining God in God's love for everyone. It's about seeking goodness with others, not at the expense of others. True faith is seeing a bigger table in which we're all connected, all included, all loved, all blessed. True faith brings us back down to earth into communion and community with others and with all creation. sadly for... For many of us, faith has been reduced to a list. Maybe it's a a list of beliefs, you know, ideas and statements that we have to memorize and and sign off on if we want to get blessed, at least. Or maybe it's a list of do's and don'ts, uh, rituals and rules that we have to perform to earn the status of being blessed. No, true faith is simply trusting God's promise of being blessed to be a blessing. It's not about being religious or being reformed or being Lutheran or being American. It's about being free and alive. If you scramble over others to achieve your goal, that's not being free and alive. If you harm others to acquire your desires... That is not being free and alive. And if you hoard your blessings while others suffer in need, that's certainly not being free and alive. Being free and alive comes when we receive blessings and then become a blessing to others. It's not a blessing racket. Figuring out how to plot prosperity for me and my tribe. It's a blessing economy where God plots goodness for all. And when we lose faith, when we doubt, and we will, God will always remain. Through our mistakes and failures, we keep learning and growing, discovering more and more of God's desire to fill us up with blessings so they can overflow into the lives of other people. All right, let's go back to to that Passover night with Jesus and his friends. After the Passover meal, after Jesus, Jesus went to the garden to pray, after his disciples fell asleep, after Judas came to betray Jesus with a kiss, after Peter pulled out his sword and Jesus told him to put it away, after Jesus was taken into custody, after his friends all ran away, Jesus was then whipped. He was lashed 39 times, one short of 40, which was a death sentence. So while we share in communion together tonight, in just a little bit we're going to listen to 39 sayings from Jesus 39 things that he said to his friends that night and as we listen you're invited to the communion table eat the bread Jesus' broken body drink the cup Jesus' shed blood remember and celebrate that Jesus conquered sin and death for all people including you Jesus welcomes all people to the table a place of communion and community with God and with others last December a couple of days before Christmas our house burned down um, and all of our possessions we just were left with just our clothes that we had on um, and we just moved into a new house. So we're getting to the end of the story, at least to another chapter, which we're really grateful for. But one of the things we don't have yet is in our house is a table. Um, we don't have a kitchen table. It's coming. We don't know where it is, but it's coming. Um, so we're missing a kitchen table, and then we also are missing a big table that our whole family can get around. And I told my wife, I said, Deb, I'm going to make a table next year, maybe in the spring. I'm going to build a table. And she said, well, that's fine, but just make sure it's big enough for all of us. Um, That's 10. There's 10 in our family. I don't know if there's going to be more or not, but right now it's 10. So uh, that's what I'm shooting for. I want a big table that our whole family can get around. So imagine, how big is God's table? It's bigger than this. How big is it? How big does it need to be for all people to fit around the table? All of us and so, so many more. And you are welcome at that table. You don't need to be a member somewhere. You don't need to have said or done something first. You don't need to know or understand everything. All we ask is that you're just on the journey. You know, this journey of faith walking towards god you may be at the beginning of the journey or maybe you've been walking this journey for years you're all welcome wherever you are and if you choose not to participate that's okay too no pressure and here's how it's going to work the servers will after a little bit will start serving the plates plates of bread and juice and it works best if you take the plate and then pass it to the next person, and then reach and get your cup of juice and bread. So you got both hands, and then that person will pass, and then you'll figure it out. You're, you're smart. So take your time. Listen to the words of Jesus as you sit, as you remember, and as we celebrate God's grace and God's love together as we should. And one last thing, and maybe this is even more important than everything I've said. I hope this year, this is my prayer for all of us, that we could all be inviters, that we can be welcomers, that we can be communion givers and foot washers and community builders and humble servants who let the love of God overflow from our lives into the lives of everybody that we meet. That's my prayer. I hope you'll join me in praying about that for this school year. Okay, I'm going to say a prayer. Tim's going to provide a little music, have a couple of readers share some of Jesus' words, and then the plates will be passed. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of communion and for the powerful meaning that it has for us. And isn't that amazing that this, this, is, this meal is, has such significance that stretches out over so many, many years and generations and people. The table that we come to tonight, the meal that we share tonight, is a meal that is shared around the world. All people are welcome. We are welcome. And thank you, God, for inviting us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who has made it possible for us to be called your sons and daughters.